You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. does not love, does not know God, for God is love. Those are harsh words by the Apostle John. The person who is not of God, nor does not know God, cannot love in this fashion. I look at my own life, my own life in my BC days before Christ. I could not love like that. I didn't know the meaning of love. I didn't know what true love was like. But when Jesus came into my heart, that all changed. I realized what love was. I realized that I could love my wife the way God wanted me to love her. Can you think of anyone in your life that you found difficult to love? In today's message, Pastor Dave talks about how the lack of love that someone gives outwardly demonstrates the lack of God's love that they refuse to accept for themselves. God gives us his love to us freely and we'll never know how to love properly without it. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John, chapter 4, as he continues his message, Love, Love, Love. You are he upped the ante when he told the disciples to love each other as I have loved you. Whoa. Love each other as I have loved you. How did Jesus love them? The word in the Greek? Agapeo, agape. It's the eighth word for love in Greek. It's a selfless love. It's the love that is the very nature of God. This love is unconditional. Unconditional. It's bigger than all of us together. It's a love of boundless compassion. It has empathy beyond measure. And you extend it to everyone, whether they're your family or not, and... It should be extended whether you get it back or not. When Jesus died for us, did we love him? This is the love that Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians, those beautiful love chapters that seem to be only read at weddings. So in our verses this morning, the Apostle John gets down to the very foundation of the matter of love. And in these several verses, we discover why love is such an important part of the life that is real. Remember, I've been telling you that in this epistle, John is trying to show us what the real life looks like. What does life that is real, what does a life that is true look like? One commentator I read said, quote, love is a valid test, not only for fellowship with God, but of sonship as well. Because love is God, is, is God is love. Love is the part of his very being in nature. If we are one with God through faith in Jesus Christ, we then as his children will show his nature. And since his nature is love, love becomes our test of our reality of our spiritual life, unquote. Now, the apostle John was no slouch. He was a smart cookie. He knew that this love and this commandment would be difficult for us. He knew that this commandment would be difficult. He knew that all too well. So he wants to begin by giving us the reason we should love each other. So in our scriptures today, in verses 7 and 8, we have the reason that we should love one another. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. The Apostle John 
is dear to my heart. Because when he says words like beloved, when he says words like little children, it just touches my heart because I see a pastoral love. I see a love that he had for his readers that he's calling them their attention again. He's calling their attention beloved. This is an impassioned plea. My beloved children. It's an endearing term and it means dearly loved. (laughs) One commentator said that since beloved is a term of endearment and is used to express deep love towards someone, by using this term, John is basically practicing what he's preaching. I like that. But remember, when you study the Bible, it's context, context, context. You got to make sure you have the context. Contextually, John is saying that even though we test the spirits, remember, test every spirit. John is saying that even though we test the spirits, we cannot become cynical. No. Even if we identify heresy and false teaching, we must also be those who show love because love is of God. We need to show love. John goes on to say that love is the evidence that a person is born of God. It's the evidence that a person knows God. So the very key of loving is to be born of God. First and foremost, this is why I believe that Jesus said the first commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the way it comes this way. Why? Because it fulfills the law. Love fulfills the law. Loving God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength basically fulfills the first four commandments. Loving your neighbor as yourself fulfills the second six. It fulfills the law. When we experience the love of God in our heart, the natural effect would then love with a love that is true. Love others as he loved us. The more we know him, the more we, his love is shown to us. The more we, his love is shown to us, the more we love in this manner. Do you get a pattern here, gang? More of you in my life, Lord. I want nothing more but you in my life. And as he shows his love more to me, I can love better. I can love others better because of his love. My love is based on his love because what he did for me on a cross. Loving others is based on us being born again. Loving others is based on us being born by the Spirit, not by the will of man, but by the will of God. God's love dwelling in your hearts. It took that fleshly heart that you had and it regenerated it. It made it alive in Jesus Christ. And it demonstrates to others that we know God. So when I'm loving, it demonstrates that I know God on that level. But there's a contrast here. I read verse 7. Look back at verse 8. He says, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Those are harsh words by the apostle John. The person who is not of God nor does not know God cannot love in this fashion. I look at my own life, my own life in my B.C. days before Christ. I could not love like that. I didn't know the meaning of love. I didn't know what true love was like. But when Jesus came into my heart, that all changed. I realized what love was. I realized that I could love my wife the way God wanted me to love her, as his child, as his daughter. I realized that I could love my children that way. And now I realize I can love others that way. But it wasn't until God came in and showed me how much I was lacking in the point of love and how much I thought what love was. You might love without God. It's possible, but it's going to be one of those other seven types of love. It's not going to be agape love, pure, unconditional, selfless love. It's not going to be agape love. He wants us to love as he loved us. He loved us with agape love. He says, now share that one to us. Share that. Why? Because God is, let's all say that together. God is love. Notice I didn't say God is like love. I said God is love. The statement declared that 
It is his very essence. He is love. It's his very essence. But I like what Guzik says here. This is a glorious truth. Love describes the character and the heart of God. He is so rich in love and compassion that it can be described as his very being. But yet another commentator says this. Listen to this. Quote, when we say God is love, we are not saying everything about God. Love is an essential aspect of his character and colors every aspect of his nature, but it does not eliminate his holiness. It does not eliminate his righteousness nor his perfect justice. Instead, we know the holiness of God is loving and the righteousness of God is loving and the justice of God is loving. Everything God does in one way or another expresses his love, unquote. Wow. John declares, all who are born of God know God. See, The false teachers that John was talking about earlier in this chapter, they're making a claim that they knew God in secret, in a deeper sense. But John was saying they didn't know God at all. They're not born again because they don't practice biblical love. Their teaching and their behavior simply promote itself and not Jesus Christ. Anytime self is being promoted, true love is promoting God. True love is allowing God to take your place and to stand up. True love is being like John the Baptist. I must decrease, he must increase. That's what true love is. It is humbleness. It's humility. True humility, not false humility. The main application that John is trying to Children take on the characteristics of their parents. I feel like that guy in the commercial who teaches you how not to be your parents. You know, as you grow up, you become your parents. You hear yourself saying things that your parents used to say that you said, I'll never say that. Here you are saying it. Well, you take on the characteristics of your parents, all right? If we've been born of God, who is love, get where I'm going here? We take on his characteristic of love. We're his children. The result is we should be growing in that love. Or sadly, here comes the sad part. The one who does not love shows that he does not know God. We need to take this to heart really seriously. There are many, many, many who claim to be born again. But they do not love others, and they don't even make an effort to love others. They're angry. They're unkind. They're impatient. They're abusive in their speech. They're self-centered in their daily lives. They're judgmental about everybody else except themselves. They spread malicious gossip, and, and they have great delight in the gossip that they spread, bringing people down. They're defensive if you try to point their sins out to them. What a sad state. What a sad state, brothers and sisters, and my heart grieves and bleeds for them. In reality, their actions are proclaiming, their actions are pronouncing that they're not born of God. They're outside of the life of God. Sadly, unless they repent and do their first works and come back to the love of God. John, point is, God is love. And if we're his children, we must love each other. And I'll say it one more time. It's not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. It's Jesus' command, and John is telling us now, and it's not an option, folks. So he tells us all this, but John and the writers of the uh, New Testament never leave things out without giving examples for them. What What is our example? Well, let's look at verses 9 and 10. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. John says, in this. In what? In the fact that the love of God was manifested when he 
sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world to die on a cruel Roman cross. That was the love of God manifested. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What a gorgeous thing. Now, the word manifested here in this sense means to come out in the open, to be made public. It's the opposite of hiding and doing things in secret. See, under the old covenant, and you know this, God was hidden behind the shadows. He was hidden behind the rituals and the ceremonies and the sacrifices and all those things. He was hidden. But according to Hebrews 10.1, Jesus manifested God completely. Manifested God the Father perfectly. What did he tell Philip? Remember? Remember in John 14, what did he tell Philip? Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is saying, I am manifesting God, Father, to you perfectly. And it wasn't that we love God. It wasn't that we love God. He loved us. He initiated the action. God initiated the action towards us by sending Jesus to a cross, his only begotten son. He came to earth to die in our place. See, and that was what Christmas is all about. We celebrate it because it's the birth of our Savior. And we celebrate it every single day. But really, he came with a purpose. He came to die. He came to die for you, came to die for me, he came to die for the entire world. And that was his purpose. Only begotten simply focuses on the uniqueness of Jesus' relationship with the Father. For he and he alone is the eternal Son of God who existed in the beginning with God. John 1.1, 1, 1, and the word was with God. It was the same with God. Jesus existed. But, you know, we're rebels. We're rebels. We were dead in our sin. We're rebels. We were dead in our sins. But he came to the world to redeem us. We didn't deserve it. We deserved damnation. We deserved eternal separation from God. But Jesus came. And you know my most favorite verses? Oh, there's so many of them who are favorite verses. I can't say that anymore. I can't say that anymore. You guys are getting tired of hearing that. But I just love these verses. And I have to read them to you. I love these verses in Ephesians 2. Paul writes, he said, And you, he, God, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all walked once, conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But God, oh, but God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and in his kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. Oh, my, listen to that verse. I could read that every single day. It tells me what I once was, and it tells me now what I am in Jesus Christ. Oh, my. This is why Christ came, to take me out of my death state, to make me not a walking zombie. You talk about the walking dead. Take me out of that death state and make me alive and then seat me in him in heavenly places. He came to make us alive, and this is the biblical definition of living. The biblical definition of living is having a relationship with God. That's the biblical definition of living. If you are one with God, then you are truly living because you're not dead. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your sacrifice, what did Paul say? You're dead. You are the walking dead. You are in your sins. The wages of sin is death. It's as simple as that. I can't make it any more simple than that. 
But in this thing, we see God's selfless, his personal, his purposeful, and his consistent love of the entire world. Why? To give us life. So we, through his beloved son, begotten only, Jesus Christ, could live in fellowship with the one true living God, displaying his love to all that we come in contact with. You know, for centuries, centuries before Jesus. And even now, unfortunately, man has been trying to reach up and grab God. Man has been trying to reach up and grab God. Man is stuck in the religious box, and he keeps trying to reach out and grab God and bring him into the religious box with the rituals and the ceremonies and all those things, obeying laws and good works. But man has failed miserably. Man has failed miserably, so God said, I sent forth my only son to be the propitiation for your sins. What does that big word mean? It simply means that Jesus appeased God's law by fulfilling it perfectly and becoming the perfect sacrifice. He did what we couldn't do. Jesus did what we were helpless to do. He took our sin upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become his righteousness. You can really go down a bad path here, but John says, listen, this is the rationale. This is the rationale that I'm trying to give you. And he ends in verse 11 by saying, beloved again, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Just in case nothing that John has said has sunk in, nothing has made sense, he summarizes it. He summarizes it for us. And he turns back to that personal, practical, endearing turn. Beloved, my dear saints, my brothers and my sisters, loved one of God, listen, take to what is being said. If God did this for you, then you This is what is being said. It's a practical term. John makes it easy. If God sent his dear son to stand in your place to take your punishment, the least you could do is to love those who might be your enemies. But enemy doesn't even sound like a word we can use anymore when we think about how Jesus stood in our place because when he died on that cross, I was his enemy. I was his enemy. What if we loved like this? What if we chose today? to love this way. In other words, what happens when a group or people love like this? What happens? What happens when we take Jesus' command to heart and he says, love each other the way I have loved? What happens when we, I heard the word revival, when we love each other in this manner and people see this, when people see the phoniness drop, when people see the arguing and the squabbling and the petty junk dropped, when people see people truly loving each other and explaining to them that the love they are showing comes from Jesus Christ, people long, people long what you have. When B and I finally came back to the Lord, when B came back to the Lord and I came to the Lord for the first time and we start following the Lord, it was noticeable and people were saying, what's different about you? I got to tell them about Jesus Christ, how he took a marriage that was in shambles and how he restored it to his glory. And I got to tell them because of the love that he has given me. And he can do that for you. He can do that for the entire world. When we love this way, people will see God in us. And I used to have a dear friend of mine and he used to always say, what people need to see is Jesus with flesh on him. That's you. That's me. That's us. We have Jesus in us through the Holy Spirit. People need to see Jesus in us. You've heard that statement, you're the only Bible that anybody would ever see. 
That's true. You're the only Jesus that someone might see. You're the only one. You're the only one when we look at that. If we are loving each other properly, and in the full maturity that God has intended us to, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, if we follow this pattern of selfish, sacrificial love, we are acting in a way that is totally counterculture, totally counter than the world. It totally goes against what the world's doing right now, totally against it. But when we love that way, others will be curious, and you can show them Jesus Christ. You can show them that way. You can show them God. And you can give them a reason for the hope that lies within you. The reason is not a thing. It's a man, and his name is Jesus Christ. We need to do that. So my resolution to resolve this year is to start out trying to the best of my ability with the help of the Holy Spirit to love this way. Will I always be successful? Probably not. But I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if I mess up, I can go to him and confess. And he can restore me and bring me back. This is important, gang. This is important. We are in the last days. That trump could sound at any minute. I'm not talking about Donald. I'm talking about the true trump of God. It could sound at any time. And when it sounds, we're out of here. We're gone. But don't you want others to go with us? Aren't there people in your lives that you want to come with us? Aren't there people that you've been praying for that you're hoping that they would make a profession of faith, that they would come with us? Absolutely. But until the Lord comes, should he tarry, we need to do this. We need to love each other and be the church that loves each other. I know you're a loving church. I'm not coming down on anybody. But remember, as we studied more and more, more and more, more of you in my life. What's the song? More love more power, more of you in my life. That's what we want. And when we have more God in our lives, when we have more God in our heart, we are going to love more and we're going to show the love of Christ more. And this is how we should start out the new year. This is how we should start out the new year by drawing closer to the Lord through his word, through the fellowship with believers and through prayer. We start by realizing what he did for us on the cross. We start realizing that's where it all begins. What he did on the cross for us, for me, for you, for the whole world. We realize that, we say thank you, we accept that, and we become part of the family by being born again of the Spirit, by being born again and coming into the kingdom of God. That's the first place to start. If you're out here or out here and you're not in the will of God, if maybe you're out here and you faltered and you kind of slid or something like that, come back. Come back into that loving relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Come back to that loving relationship and move forward, forgetting things which are behind you. Move forward, folks. Move forward. Don't stagnate. Keep moving forward in God's love. Press on to the high calling of Jesus Christ, the goal of every Christian, so that others would see that. Others would see that. We start by realizing what happened on those three words that Jesus said, it is finished. It's done. The only work we have left to do is to believe. And as we believe, he gives us the faith and the power through his Holy Spirit to love each other. You are our time with you has come to an end today on A Sure Hope. But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 1 John 
In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Assure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more information. Perhaps you prefer email. If so, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 1 John. We look forward to the next time as Pastor Dave will share more things that God has put on his heart from this New Testament letter. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and be reminded of God and that He is a sure hope.